Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. It's time for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. This first interview, it was a real treat to do. Let me tell you, we were able to catch up with Trevor Bauer. He is definitely one of the most interesting guys in all of baseball. How about our old friend Ron Washington? As Ron was talking about the playoffs, Wash, you know, such a great coach for the athletics, but he's doing a great job for Atlanta. And then we caught up with Bo Porter. Bo Porter, who's now working for the Nationals. He was uh, a manager for the Houston Astros. Now he's into broadcasting. But he's basically done everything, including, you know, playing for the Oakland Athletics. We'll talk to Bo Porter. And then a local guy, Kevin Franzen, buddy of mine. He played at San Jose State, had a terrific career as a big leaguer, now a broadcaster for the Philadelphia Phillies. So we had to bring him on, get his perspective after Gabe Kapler lost his job in Philly. And we talked a lot with Franny about so many different things. But we'll lead it off. Trevor Bauer, when you talk about interesting cats in baseball, with the use of analytics, with the use of technology, trying to improve himself every single year, going to the Pacific Northwest and going up to driveline. He's a really smart guy, and when you get to talk to him one-on-one, you realize how intelligent he is. He got traded to the Cincinnati Reds, start out with the Diamondbacks, then the Indians, now the Reds. Former UCLA Bruin, you're really going to enjoy this. Here is my conversation with Trevor Bauer. Trevor, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Hey, what's going on, guys? Well, uh, unfortunately, we were expecting a lot of good games, to, to two really good games today, but uh, it's 11-0 the Cardinals lead the Braves in the bottom of the second inning. That's a big shocker. Yeah, that one got out of hand pretty quick. I... Uh was on a call actually uh, with one of my data scientists going over a a project that we're doing and um, you know I didn't get the game on in time and so when I got off the call it went a little longer than I thought when I got off the call I turned the game on I was like well man I missed the entire game yes <laughs> yeah, I mean it was ugly early by the way tell everybody about the new show you have something that's very unique to have a player actually still playing in the game you now on the MLB channel on Sirius XM have your own show tell us about it yeah it's, it's uh it's great I'm I'm really excited to do it um I, I really enjoy kind of long-form conversations about baseball and just general topics, um, life topics, and that's kind of what we're gonna what we're gonna get into. Um, now, I, you know, we can talk about fan questions, and I actually have a form that I can answer them a little bit, you know, more in depth than just a hundred and whatever characters it is now on Twitter or uh, something like that. And we can kind of get into the into the nitty gritty stuff about you know being in the dugout and what that means and clubhouse chemistry or. You know, whatever the case, whatever whatever it is that we start talking about. So I'm excited about it. It should be like a two-time-per-month thing. I think kind of every other week is the plan right now. Um, 
And yeah, the first one went pretty well. I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, so looking forward to the next one. Oh yeah, it's going to be absolutely great. And I think about you and your career is, you know, with so much technology and science that we have now, really in every single sport, some players want to utilize it. Some players don't. Some guys just want to be sea ball, hit ball. At what point in your career did you say, this technology, it can really help me be a better pro? You know, I never thought that it was like, oh, this, this technology in general, and I'm, I'm just going to adopt technology now. Uh, it was kind of a, a mindset and a process through my entire uh, life. You know, my dad's an engineer. Um, and engineers have a very kind of specific mindset and process to things. They, they're problem solvers at the end of the day. So they identify the problem, they identify, you know, a process by which they plan to solve the problem and they go about doing it. And then somewhere along the way, they check in and say, are we getting closer to the goal or not? And make adjustments and go from there. So I kind of was taught from a young age to apply that process to baseball. Um, it's like, okay, I, you know, I want to throw, harder well how do i throw harder let's design a process do i need to long toss do i need to get stronger do i need to change my mechanics do i need to you know whatever the case is so i always kind of had this long-term plan and and goal set and then it becomes really easy to adopt technology because if i'm trying to throw harder and there's a piece of you know there's a camera technology out there that can allow me to see how my body's moving or maybe it's to digitize how my body's doing maybe i go through a bullpen and it gets you know, digitized in three dimensions and I can compare my delivery to someone like Nolan Ryan's, you know, that gets me closer to throwing harder. That gets me closer to being healthy. That gets me closer to whatever, you know, having success in the big leagues or at college or in high school or whatever my goal is at the time. And so the technology isn't uh, a big yes or no question. It's just a tool to kind of help me on the process that every athlete goes through. We all want to get better. And some guys do it through, you know, talking to old school guys and, and learning the game experientially and experimenting. Some guys do it by using cameras. Some guys do it by, you know, visualization and meditation. There's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So technology to me is just a tool. Yeah, I was so surprised that baseball was so late to the game. You know, my brother's a, a, a golf teaching pro and has talked. We've had him on the show. And they started using TrackMan back in, God, it was like late 80s, early 90s at Titleist down in Carlsbad, California. And what TrackMan was to do was to show how the equipment works so they could sell more equipment, right? And to think that baseball yep. was so late to this process. And, you know, one thing that we've talked about, and now you're with the Cincinnati Reds and the, and the former pitching coach for Vanderbilt is there, is the fact that a lot of this technology was being used in college before it was used at the pro level. Yeah, no doubt. Baseball is generally just way behind. Um, I think, you know, one of the problems, not problems necessarily, but one of the hurdles to really advancing at a fast pace is how many people are involved in organizations. And it has to be that way. You know, you have six levels of 25 players plus, you know, some development leagues and you got to have people to staff all the, all the levels. So you have five or six coaches at each level and then you have coordinators and you have medical staff. And you have, so there's just a, a lot of people um, that go into running a, a successful and, um, high-powered organization like that but the problem with that is you have a lot of different opinions a lot of people to clear things with you have to talk to a lot of different people that get everybody in a room and try to come to a conclusion where you know a college staff might have three or four coaches on it that just decide you know what we're going to go this way and we're going to implement it or we're going to try this or we're going to try that and uh, so those smaller organizations can move a lot quicker and try a lot of things and innovate a lot faster than larger scale organizations like pro organizations can and that's one of the things that's you know so encouraging about um, what the Reds have going on right now is they've made a clear um, choice to go you know, hire people that have innovated, that have moved quickly, that understand a lot of these things. And instead of trying to develop everything in-house and develop everything themselves and go through that that time um, that you know kind of time sink of having to do all that and learn all that. Um, you know, they're bringing people in that, that have already gone through it and have a lot of very valuable information um, that can accelerate the learning curve of the organization. And that's Derek Johnson, it's Donnie Ecker, it's Caleb Cotham, and you know, now Kyle Bodie. And you know, the, the list goes on. There's a, there's a lot of people there. And I, I don't mean to <laughs> exclude anybody. There there's really is a lot of people there that are uh, very smart and kind of have come from more of the private sector of baseball, um, 
and have a lot of, of good innovation and, and experience uh, doing those types of things and u- using data and player development and stuff like that. I'm glad you bring up the whole thing about the minor leagues because having some buddies who played in minor league baseball, talk about the frustration. Let's just say you're a hitter, right? You're hitting in double A. So you got a hitting coach in double A, and he's telling you one thing, and then the roving hitting instructor comes in. He might tell you something else. It just seems like they're in an organization, like you just said with the Reds, everybody being on the same page. If you're not on the same page as an organization, you can be getting a lot of different messages from different people. It's um, it's one of the most it's one of the biggest inefficiencies in in the industry. You know, baseball is this multi-billion-dollar industry. It's massive, right? Um, but if you look at the way that things are run, a lot of times it's no other business in any other industry would ever run this way because the business wouldn't exist because what you have is you have a lot of different employees and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to single out anybody by any means or, or, you know, it's just kind of a global issue. And um, so please don't take it as that I'm you know trying to talk negatively about any, any organization or anything like that. But you have a lot of people that it don't, a lot of times don't, you know, kind of really follow what their boss tells them to do, or their boss doesn't really have a specific like goal or, or job description. Like it, there's no like real policy. Um, and so what you end up with is a bunch of different people with opinions and, and trying to help and trying to do good for the players, but they explain it differently. It's, it may or may not be backed by data. It may not be the right thing to do. It might not be the problem that this, hitter or pitcher or player is, is really having and so you're not you're not solving the the issue and it's just this kind of cluttered unorganized um kind of hodgepodge of, of information and, and good people trying to do good things uh but maybe not in the best you know the most most organized or best way possible and, and businesses that function like that outside of you know outside of athletics or you know, and just other areas of life crumble very quickly because you can't, you can't grow, you can't scale, you can't get enough done to compete. Um, and, and so, like you said, you know, being on the same page and, and really having a, uh, having a policy, you know, this is how we develop pitchers. We're going to do these things. We're going to measure them this way. We're going to um, every, you know, every year we're going to take uh, a biomechanics analysis of them. We're going to have actual data behind them, or this is how we develop hitters. Let's get some eye testing done. Make sure that their vision is fine. Okay. Let's make sure that they're developed physically in these measurable ways. Like now you have a process and a, and a guideline uh, by which you can plug a player in, you can evaluate what he does and doesn't do well. And then you have a process by which you can help fix it. And then everybody in your organization can abide by that and say, okay, well, here's this, here's this guy's plan. And I think I have some information that might help him throw a slider. So when I go work with him, I'll talk to him about throwing a slider, but I'm not going to talk to him about mechanics or his mental game because that's not what he needs right now. That's not part of the plan. And so that's how I'd like to see baseball you know, run more. I think it would be much better for the athletes in general, because an organization could then tell them like, this is what you need to get better at. If you're going to advance in our system where a lot of times, you know, right now, you have all these guys coming and talking to minor league players and they're trying to listen to all the coaches because like, well, man, if I make a coach mad, they're not going to move me up. And then they get messed up. And then they're the coaches like, Hey, just stick with it. And you know, if you're a good teammate and you, you work hard, like things are going to work out in your favor. And, but the organization at the top level has no intention of moving that player up past a ball or double a, they view them as an organizational, you know, kind of filler sometimes, or maybe regardless of the skill set or whatever, however messed up he is, they're going to move him because he's a high draft pick or they like him or you know, whatever the case is. And so then it becomes very confusing and frustrating for the majority of minor league players because they don't know exactly what they should be working on and they think they're working on the right things and doing the right things and then they're not getting moved up. And then, you know, they see a guy with a five ERA get moved up when they have a one and they're questioning why, you know, why did that happen? And it's like, oh, they just don't like me. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's partially true. Uh, but that's not that they don't like you personally. It's just that, you know, the, the skill set that you have maybe hasn't been communicated that that's not what they're looking for or or something like that. So there's just so many inefficiencies with it that I, I could, I could talk for, <laughs> for days on this, but you know, out of respect for your podcast and <laughs> everything else that you guys are talking about, uh, I'll kind of, I'll stop. No, I'm telling you, uh, the fans are texting in right now. They're love. They're absolutely loving it and love your answers. And I, I got one guy texting me right now going, Bauer's really smart. You think you'll be in a front office someday? Could you see yourself running a major league baseball team? 
No, absolutely not. Um, I, I want to, I'll be involved with baseball for sure. I can definitely see myself coaching like a college team. I've always kind of, I've always thought that it'd be really fun to, to kind of coach a, a mid-level D1 school, um, a, a school that can't necessarily get the, the top recruits, um, but can kind of pick some, pick some guys that, that work hard and have a good skill set and then run a developmental program to help them develop their other skill sets. Um, you know, I had this, this idea of, you know, bringing in, bringing in guys and, and they would all redshirt their freshman year. Um, and you kind of creating some competitions between, uh, the redshirt guys and the guys that are actually, you know, active and playing on the team and, and centered around the, the skill sets that the redshirt guys were trying to develop. And, um, so there'd, just be, there'd be this like three or four year plan that, that players would get, you know, evaluated and they, you know, okay, year one's about working on developing these skill sets and this is how you're going to do it. Like go all in on that. And by year two, you're going to be in competition and applying those. And we're going to learn how you handle those types of situations. And then by year three, you're going to have this elite skill set and, um, you know, you're going to be able to hand game, handle game situations really well. And now you're going to be a you know, draft prospect or, or whatever the case is and kind of implementing it on a level where, it's a much smaller organization and I have more, uh, I guess, control of um, the quality of, of information and, and work that I can do with the players. Uh, so I can see myself doing that. Um, I also have, I'm in the process of building out uh, a company um, and services that I'll, you know, hopefully at some point in the future be able to offer to players that can you know, help make their careers better, give them a, a, um, a nice roadmap of, you know, kind of data backed, um, information about what they can and can't get better at and how they would do it and, you know, what's going on in season and stuff like that. A lot of these things are things that I do on a daily basis with myself and I'm kind of using myself as a, as a lab rat in a way um, to see how beneficial it is and how detailed we can get the, the information. But, you know, hopefully in, in the future, I don't know when that would be available. I'm still building everything out, but hopefully in the future I'll be able to offer that to to current players and you got a long way to go with in your career it's been fun watching you compete against the athletics uh good luck with the cincinnati reds and our old buddy Sonny gray good luck with uh your company good luck reading the mvp machine has been wonderful reading about you and find out about uh getting better and honored to have you on the program we would love to have you on again and also good luck with uh, your radio show on sirius xm yeah, thank you so much. It's been fun talking, and uh, you know, whenever you guys want to want to chat again, just let me know. Ah, uh, we love it. Thanks so much. Yep, talk to you soon. I feel like I could talk to that guy all day. I think there's no question about it. You know, we were only supposed to keep the interview to 15 minutes based what we did, but he would have kept going. But we know the Reds had the request. You could have tell, and we're gonna have him on again. He is he is a smart. He's a smart cat, no question. Also a smart cat. One of the great coaches in A's history. And now doing a bang-up job with the infielders and the third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. They were getting ready for a big game, so we had to have Wash back on the program. Here's our conversation with Ron Washington. Well, now joining us on A's Cast Live, he's one of the great coaches in Oakland A's history, and now he's doing a great job with the Atlanta Braves and third base coach, infield coach. Ron Washington is with us from Atlanta. Wash, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we're just having a lot of fun watching the playoffs. And what a dogfight you're in. And it's a game five in Atlanta. You have to be really excited about this one. Well, very excited, you know. Um, I think opportunity presented itself that uh, we had a chance yesterday to, to end it. But, uh, you know, we playing a team with a big tradition in the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, when we started, it was five games. And now it's five games. And tomorrow is winner takes all. And just looking at the makeup of your club, Wash, I mean, you've got some great young talent. Then you mix in some veteran guys, and you know much how, we, how much we love Josh Donaldson from his time with the A's. It's a real nice mixture you have down there in Atlanta. It really is. Um, you know, the, the older guys keep the young guys in check, and the young guys keep energy on the field, and it just mixes quite well. And as I said earlier, not only are they young, they can also play. And I think about this series where tomorrow you're going to want to see the starters go as deep as they possibly can. 
because relievers have pitched 37% of the innings in the series, and they've allowed 53% of the runs scored. So talk about how tomorrow, just whose bullpen can survive game five. Well, you know, um, as you said, the two guys that are throwing tomorrow, um, I do believe that Fody going to take us deep into the game, and I know the St. Louis Cardinals believe that Flaherty will take them deep in the game. And if it comes down to a bullpen, um, i got to take our bullpen. Um, you know, they've been tremendous uh, all year for us after we gotten it straightened out. So, uh, But, you know, the game is played between those lines, and you know how it goes. It's going to come down to which one of those starting pitchers uh, can contain, you know, each team. And um, we just got to wait and see what happens after that. But I do believe Fody going to throw us another gym, and um, we'll see what happens from there. What's the home field advantage like in this new ballpark there in Atlanta? Well, you know, I don't actually think we feel no home field advantage. The home field advantage is the starting pitcher and how deep he can go in the game, especially when you're in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I just think we have to come out tomorrow and when Fody puts the ball in play, if it's an out, we got to get the out. And um, and when we get an opportunity to, uh, you know, make Flaherty shake a little bit and, and maybe have an opportunity to score some runs, someone has to come through. And it's going to be going back and forth. As I said, uh, you know, you're playing two, two teams are playing with, with great tradition. You know, baseball obviously has changed dramatically since, since you played. And it's changed over time as you've been a, a manager and a coach. And, and I think about Acuna Jr. getting on second base with nobody out. And, and, you know, a lot of people think, well, Albies, maybe he should be bunting there, get him over to the third. But obviously, people just don't bunt anymore. Do you like this type of strategy that's going on today in baseball? Well, you know, I understand why they don't bunt. But I think when it comes time in a ball game that that bunt can determine whether you have an opportunity to win or lose a game, then I think you have to try to get that run of the third. But, uh, you know, whether you bunt or whether you let a, a hitter swing, um, it's actually out of my hands. I'm not sitting in that, in that seat to make that call. And I think about sitting in that seat, you know how tough it is. What's it like managing in a game where it's winner moves on, loser goes home? Well, you have to got to. You just have to believe in your personnel, and I think when you show up to the ballpark the day that you play, that winner takes all. Um, that has to be your aura, and uh, your players is going to follow the leader. So if the leader comes in, and um, you know nothing has changed from the 162 games we played, and then the five that we are about to finish playing, then I think everything will be fine. You know, usually after the first inning, when the starting pitcher your starting pitcher goes out there and he gets you out of that first inning, you know, you start to begin to relax a little bit. And every inning that he gets you out of that inning, you get more and more relaxed. And the next thing you know, it's just a ball game. You know, I, I think about the, the good and the bad of this series. I think the good has been watching a lot of emotion. You know, Josh Donaldson gets a double, gets taken out for a pinch runner, and then he's going nuts there in the dugout. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to watch the enthusiasm on both sides, and we're seeing it all through baseball now to where things have changed that way, and it's whether it's young guys or it's older guys, just the emotion, the raw emotion we're seeing in these playoff games. Do you, do you love it? I do love it. Uh, you know, there's no uh, me, me, me. It's all about the team. He just hit a big double for us, you know. And he understands that he's not the swiftest guy. And um, normally in the regular season, you know, I'm, I'm more than certain Snit would have probably left him in. But it was a situation where we needed to get that run, so he put the speed that we had on the bench out there. But it didn't bother Josh because he just put the team in a position that he wanted to put the team in, an opportunity to win. And that's the difference in all those guys especially those young guys and our veterans, uh, they just want to win. You know, Acuna Jr. is such a special talent. I, I, they, I mean, he's just killing it in this series. He's 8 for 16, three doubles, a triple, a home run, three walks. But obviously there's the, there's the base hit that he should have been hustling. There's the throat slash at the end of the game. H have you ever sat down with a young man to try to talk to him saying, you might want to try some things differently here, especially when you're on national TV in the major spotlight? Well, the key is he's a young man. He's 21 years old, and um, he plays 
hard for us every single day. He had a, a brain cramp. And, um, you know, all you can do is keep talking to him. He's 21 years old. Um, by the time he's 23 or 25, he'll quit having those type of moments. Uh, he'll be able to understand how important he is to his teammates and the, th- and the way he carries himself resonate with them. So um, all we do is talk to him. It's a teaching moment, and that's all we took it as, a teaching moment. Um, we are the Atlanta Braves, and we don't roll unless we got a cooner at the top rolling with us. So, you know, you, 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 you talk to him, and he's 21 years old. Um, I know he played like he's 25 or 27, but he's just 21, and sometimes his emotions get in the way. He hit a ball, and he thought he hit it out the ballpark, and he was going to pimp it, and it didn't go out the ballpark. A lesson learned. But as far as teammates and coaching staff and everything like that goes, we with Ron Lacuna and going to be with Ron Lacuna for a long time. He is a player. No, I'll take that back. He is a player. <laughs> he is who he is so special talent wise. Who would you compare yes. him to who you saw in your career, who you coached with or against? Um, there isn't anyone that I can compare him to because um I've never seen a talent like that at twenty years old. I mean he does it all. He can run, he can feel, he can throw, he can hit, he can hit with power. And all he has to do is continue to mature in the game of baseball and the things that people want to criticize him for when he make a little mistake, uh, they're going to actually love him because of the growth that he will gain because of going through that. Um, Sometimes you go through the game of baseball and they don't treat you right. And sometimes you go through the game of baseball and and things happen the way you want it to happen. He made a couple of mistakes uh, mentally, but uh, he's back. And all we want to do is keep him back. And when he go off the track again, we'll get him back. And we'll get him back as many times as we have to because he's that type of player, and he's young. You know, Josh Donaldson is playing near home. And, you know, been banged up the past couple of years. Just coming back to the Braves and having the year he's having, just what has this year been like for J.D.? Because, as I said earlier, you know how much the A's fans love him. He's a difference maker. Uh, He really is. He's a difference maker on the defensive side. Um, He's a difference maker on the offensive side. He's a difference maker in our dugout. Uh, he, he comes to play. He comes to win. He comes to beat the opposition. Uh, he holds his teammates accountable. He want to be held accountable. Um, those are the traits of a winner. Those are the traits of a player that you like to have on your team. And, you know, when we first got him, he wasn't so sure because he got, a slow, got off to a slow start. But the more you're around Josh Donaldson, the more you love what he brings to the table every single day. He posts every day. Yeah, that's one thing. I mean, he comes in with like a football mentality, and he is ready to rock, and he's a guy that can police that clubhouse. Uh, It was a lot of fun covering him. You know, I didn't ask you this last time, but you were so close to winning a World Series as a manager. Would you like to manage again? Definitely would. You know, I do believe that uh, if a general manager can convince an owner that I'm the guy to lead the way, um, as a group, I'm, I'm more than certain we can uh, get back to the World Series with me at the helm. I have no doubt about that. It's just a matter of uh, someone giving me another opportunity to do it, but I certainly want to do it. I love. In the meantime, you know, I just uh, pass my wisdom and knowledge along and uh, try to help the group that I'm with uh, find success in, in the game of baseball the way they want to. Well, like I said, J.D.'s loved here, and you know you're loved here, and all the A's fans are going to be pulling for you tomorrow. Good luck in Game 5, Wash. should be a lot of fun. I expect a lot of electricity there in Atlanta. Oh, there will be, and um, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, we're ready to play. We always appreciate having Wash on the program. Bo Porter, well, he's kind of done everything in baseball, whether it's as a player, he's been involved as a manager, as a coach, now in broadcasting and covering the Washington Nationals and really giving us a good perspective on the Nationals. And we get his thoughts on his time in Oakland. And also, he played football and baseball at the University of Iowa. Here is our conversation with Bo Porter. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, this man has done everything in the game. He played for your Oakland Athletics. 
He's been a manager. He's been a coach. He's now doing television for the Washington Nationals. Bo Porter joins us here. Bo, game five tonight between Washington and the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Again, when you look at the Washington Nationals, I said this when the postseason started, they are the most dangerous team in the postseason because of you look at the fact that they got punched in the mouth early in the year. This team was humbled, and they jumped back into the fight, and they've been staying in the fight. And I tell you what, the Dodgers are going to have their hands full with Steven Strasburg and the team that basically have nothing to lose. Yeah, you think about the drama starting from the offseason where you lose Bryce Harper and, you know, everybody's starting to question Mike Rizzo. You get off to a, a bad start. But, man, you talk about resiliency. I mean, that that's the word you really use when you talk about the Washington Nationals. Yes, again, when, I mean, when you look at starting the season 19 and 31, um, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I said this. This will go down as one of the biggest turnarounds in Major League Baseball history. Um, just the mere fact that not only was they able to make the playoffs, but win the wild card game. And now you take, you know, the team that had the best record in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers with 106 wins. You have them on the brink of elimination. I mean, it's just it's a huge credit to David Martinez, to the coaching staff, to the players, um, to the front office, you know, staying the course. There was many people that was calling for David Martinez's head and wanted him to be fired. And the organization stood behind him, and he rallied the troops. And I tell you, you know, in a day and age where, you know, there's a youthful trend going throughout the game of baseball, the one thing that you can look at with the Washington Nationals is the number of veteran players that they have on their team. And I've said this before as well. I think it was because of the veterans that this team was able to overcome the adversity that was staring them in the face. If you have a young club that don't have the seasoning that these guys have from a Howie Kendrick to Ryan Zimmerman to Brian Dozier to, you know, um, to Doolittle, to Strasburg, to Scherzer, you know, these guys have played a lot of baseball, and I think it was that common voice amongst them that was able to kind of keep the ship afloat until they got back healthy and started to play better, and then once they got healthy and started playing better because of them being punched in the mouth early on in the season, they basically they didn't look back. Yeah, you bring up a very good point. You know, when you're building a team, you you want to have you want to have veterans, you want to have guys in their prime, and you also want to have good young guys. And I think about the time we talked with you back in the day when you were the manager of the Astros, you just had a bunch of young guys and had no chance. I mean, you really need that th- that that wave of young guys, guys in their prime, and that veteran presence if you're going to be a great ball club. Yes, I think that's the formula. And again, when you when you look at you know, the teams that have went on to win, you know, I look at the 2017 Astros team. Carlos Beltran was probably one of the best acquisitions for that team, even down the stretch when he wasn't, you know, the premier player that he was in his prime. It's that common presence and his ability to mentor the young players. When you have that presence on your ball club, I think it gives your young players the opportunity to develop faster. I think when you look at the Nationals, and you bring Para in, it's no secret when Para joined this team how Juan Soto, Victor Robles, and those guys took off because he was a veteran guy that they looked up to, a guy who has a lot of wear on his tires, and he's been where they're trying to go. So when you have that type of relationship within your ball club, it actually helps the manager, it helps the coaches, and it's almost like the players themselves start to coach each other. Truly, how special is Soto? He's special. And he's, he's special because it's not many people in our game that have pole to pole power the way he has pole to pole power. And his ability to hit left handed pitching is I mean, it's remarkable when you think about the power that he has to the pull field and how he's able to stay on sliders and, and pitches out over the plate, but then you try to rush him in and he's got quick enough hands and he can pull his barrel and get barrel to the ball in the, in the third. Early in the year, you know, many people, they, they were throwing him hard in. They had him sped up, and basically he was not driving the ball the other way. He got that corrected. He stopped cheating on the inner third, and then from there, he basically just took off. He's one of the brightest young players in our game today. 
Yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. And then, obviously, this guy's not young anymore, but we knew what kind of phenom he was when he came out of San Diego State. And Steven Strasburg, it's like this sets up perfectly for the Nats because he has been their best pitcher and their best pitcher down the stretch. Just how much for the Nats are they just thankful Strasburg's going to be on the mound here in Game 5 against Walker Bueller? Well, I think, we, again, when you're David Martinez and you made the decision not to start Max on short rest and you started him on Monday, I think we looked at that situation and knew that you had pocket aces for Game 4 and Game 5. And, and Strauss, you said it. I mean, he's been arguably the best pitcher, you know, this season. To me, he's the National League Cy Young Award winner. When you think about Steven Strasburg, I've said this throughout the course of the year. He is pitching the best he's ever pitched in his life because he's no longer just relying on his stuff. When you think about Strasburg, when he arrived at the big league, it was 98-99. He would just blow people away, and it was a chase slaughter. Now when you look at Steven Strasburg, it's 94 to 96. He dials it down sometimes. He dials it up. But his pinpoint command with his fastball, he throws his secondary pitches, his changeup in his curveball, in any count, he has the confidence to throw it. He has the confidence to do it. He believes in his stuff that he can get you out in the strike zone with the action on the ball. And because he has command of his pitches, he's able to leave the zone with his stuff at will, what makes it a tough at-bat for anybody. Yeah, and it's one of the beautiful things to watch, and you've been around this game a long time. To watch a guy go from a thrower to a pitcher, it's amazing how much better you get in this game. It's, it's, a great, it's truly a great maturation, and again, it's a credit to Steven. It's a credit to you know, the organization. You know, there's, there's obviously more analytics available to us today, and I think Steven has made himself a student of the game. He's, um, he's his own coach. He understands what he's trying to do to each and every hitter. His, um, his off-season preparation and the work that he put himself through to prepare for this season, it's, it's almost like other people are getting tired. Steven Strasburg is getting stronger. You know, one thing that we've watched in this postseason is just the exuberance we're seeing from each different dugout. And, and you know, they're, they're saying, let the kids play. But it's even the veterans. How much fun are you having watching all these different teams and just the craziness that's been in the playoffs? I tell you, if you are a baseball fan, you, you cannot ask for anything more than what we're getting this postseason. I would say not even just this postseason. I think down the stretch, when you look at the number of teams in the National League, not so much the American League, the American League, you know, pretty much was decided there's only, you know, two teams jockeying for position down the stretch. But I, 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 I said this before, and I'm going to repeat it again because I think when you look at the National League and the number of teams that were still in contention the last, you know, 24 to 30 games down the stretch, I think that's what baseball needed. I think we need that for competitive balance in our game. I think we need that for our fan base. So that the fans, you know, there, 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 is, there is an opportunity where every fan can show up opening day and feel like, you know what, my team has a chance. So, I mean, for me, I'm a baseball lifer. It is absolutely great. I love the fact that we have, you know, three game fives. I think it makes for great drama. I think that um, the game has never been in a better place. Yeah, you think of the two favorites, the L.A. Dodgers and the Houston Astros, are both in a game five, so the competitive imbalance is definitely there. And what, what what do you think it's like to be in a game like that when you're because the Athletics just dealt with that uh, where they were in the wild card game, but in that game where it's winner take all, winner you move on, loser you're going home. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I was a part of one game five when I was with the Oakland Athletics, and we lost to the. New York Yankees, it's, um, it's not a good feeling, I'll say that, being on that end of it. Um, I think, you know, I think for, for the teams that are the underdogs, you know, say the Tampa Bay Rays or the Washington Nationals, I think all of the pressure is squarely on the favorites. I think if you're the Houston Astros, the fact that you dropped, you know, game four and now you find yourself tied, you know, with a team, again, that has nothing to lose, everybody expects you to beat them, I think all the pressure is squarely on the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Houston Astros. 
You know, I think about your college career, pretty amazing. You're a hot guy at the University of Iowa. You played both baseball and football, and you were all Big Ten in both sports. You know, talk about that. That's not easy to do, Bo. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It's. Um, I, I tell you what, I, 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 I tell myself this. I was very blessed to be able to play for, you know, two of the greatest coaches in, in college, football and baseball, Coach Hayden Fry and Coach Dwayne Banks. But um, the University of Iowa was a special place. Um, they took very good care of me. I, I didn't have to play fall baseball and spring football, so I was able to play, you know, both sports and just concentrate during the season and, um, and graduate with my degree in, in communication studies. But, no, I mean, it was, it, was, it was something that coming out of high school, there were some schools that didn't want me to play both sports. I, um, I hadn't made up my mind whether or not I wanted to commit to one sport or another. University of Iowa was one of the schools that, you know, that came in and they were, you know, adamant about letting me play both sports. They had Damon Hughes at the time, who was one of my best friends. He was currently playing both sports um, at Iowa. So that was, you know, that was good to know that they already had somebody playing both sports. But I, I was very thankful, very blessed, and um, and played with some great people and, and go Hawks. Yeah, I haven't heard Hayden Fry's name in years, but what a great coach he was for all those years for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And another thing I want to ask you about is you're a part of uh, the whole free agent camp in Major League Baseball where guys are older, they're not getting the offers, they're trying to stay in shape. When you're coaching guys like that, what was that experience like? For me, it was just like running spring training. I mean, I've, I've run spring training many times before, and, you know, that's one of the things when Tony Clark called me and asked me, you know, to do him that favor that they were thinking about putting this camp together, you know, the first thing I said to him was, the only way I'm going to do this is if we're going to run it like Big League camp. And, you know, to, to his credit, the Players Association, and all of the guys that actually came to the camp, you know, a man to a man, and I, I, I said this when we had the camp, I think it worked out as a win-win for everybody because the players that were signed out of that camp, when they made it to their respective teams or organizations, they were ready to play because of the way we ran the camp. We had great coaches there, and the players were well-prepared when they left camp. You know, Bo, we'll end on this. I'd love to see you manage again. Is that something you'd love to do? It's definitely something I would love to do. I think when you – I mean, history will show you that, you know, most guys – their second time around is, is, is much better. I, I had a great learning experience in Houston. Um, when you look at the number of jobs that are out there, um, I'm not a self-promoter, so you're not going to see me, you know, promoting myself around, around, around baseball. I think most people that know me, they know my resume. Um, I would be very interested if, if, if someone wanted to sit down and have that conversation. It's something that I do desire to do, but I think it's all about finding the right fit of, um, of one where I'm at and where the organization is at. So if that happens, I'll be, you know, more than, more, more than welcome, welcome to have that conversation. But, again, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I, I look at what I'm doing right now, and I factor it in with all of the other experiences that I have as a player, as a coach, as a manager, as a front office executive, um, you know, and now doing the media side of it. I actually wish I would have done this media side before I managed the first time. But, you know, you can't, you can't go back in time. You can only go forward. And if that opportunity presents itself, what I can say is that I'm much better prepared today than I was even the first time I managed in Houston. Hey, Bo, we really appreciate the time before this big game five between the Nats and the Dodgers. Continued success, and we'd love to talk with you later on during this postseason. All right, you guys just keep me posted and let me know. I hope he gets another shot because, obviously, when he was managing the Houston Astros, they weren't trying to win, and that's very tough to try and manage a ball club every single day and flying around the country and doing all of that when you know the front office is not trying to win. All right, our last interview here is a friend of mine, Kevin Franzen, also a San Jose State baseball player, the all-time leader in hits at San Jose State. Got a chance to play for the Giants, the Angels, the Phillies, the Nationals, the Giants. Reminds me of Jeff Blum because he's the kind of guy that when he played, you know, the fan base loved him, just like Blummer in Houston. They loved him in Philly. And he's getting an opportunity to broadcast now 
for the Philadelphia Phillies. And we brought Franny on, local product, obviously San Jose State, Bellarmine High School, grew up in Willow Glen, to talk about what happened with Gabe Kapler and the future for the Phillies. Here is my friend, Kevin Franzen. My man, Kevin Franzen, who's one of the great San Jose State baseball players, went to Bellarmine, of course made it to the big leagues, and now calls games for the Philadelphia Phillies. Franny, how are you? What's up, buddy? Interesting things going on in the fighting city of Philadelphia. Were you surprised that Gabe Kapler wasn't wasn't re uh, wasn't brought back as manager of the Fighting Phils? Um, you know, to be honest with you, yes and no. Yes, on the part of frustrations by fans, frustrations by results on the field. Um, not that that's that's where the no surprise was but the fact of the matter is i was surprised on the fact that you know players loved them now does it mean that that when when people love someone or like someone as a as a coach does it mean that they love all their styles the the way they manage the x's and o's of the game no but the way he treated them the way you know like just being able to be you like that's the main thing these days right is you need to be yourself if you're yourself I'm going to get the best version of you on the field. Gabe was very good at that. So um, the players liked him a lot. Didn't mean that does not mean an endorse that they loved the way he managed things, but the way they treated him, where you spend most of your time in a clubhouse and around those atmospheres. I mean, the guy was awesome. Like I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else. The guy is a great dude. Um, and uh, for me, I just, I, I look at it. It's result oriented. And I feel like, Two Septembers in a row, they're terrible, and, and you can't have that. Yeah, especially when you're going for it and you're spending that kind of money, and I try and tell our audience all the time, there's one thing managing down to the players and the coaches and in the organization, but then there's the managing up. You're managing up to the mm-hmm. GM, to the president, to the owner. How good was he at managing up? Awesome. I mean, in, in all honesty, he, he relayed exactly what the – the front office wanted, and you know, you go from old school in um, Ruben Amaro Jr. to Matt Klintak, who's new school, new age. Everything's going to be data driven. Uh, he was, you know, innovative in that, and he was always available. He was always providing information. I think, like Tony, you've been around these guys, like in, in general, especially with the A's, and just look at how. It's not like this is my way. This is how we're going to do it. It is a collaborative unit, right? We could say that in so many different sports. We could stick in the Bay Area and say that's what the Warriors do. The moment that it becomes oriented by one guy in the front office and, and the, the manager or the head coach, whoever it may be, can't drop any ideas, can't bring in new ideas to the situation, then you have something wrong. thing is that they worked well. doesn't mean that everything on the field is going to go right. I mean, you – you talk about some bullpenning, you know, decisions made during the game. Is that, you know, Matt Klintak in the, in, in the front office? Is that Gabe Kapler? I, I just think there's a lot of stuff. It's being a first-time manager, number one. It's not an easy gig, especially in the bright lights of Philadelphia. Uh, and, and, I mean, you could ask Bob Melvin. I'm sure the first time he went to manage, it wasn't the easiest thing, but he makes it look easy. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like it, it, there's so many things that we could say about you know, X's and O's, but when it comes to front office and the way that, you know, they love Gabe, Gabe loved them, I, I think it, it went even higher than that. And I think even ownership, John Middleton liked the guy. It was just, we need more. And we need more. We're going to put it all on the next guy. If you don't win, it's going to be very Washington National-like where, look, Dusty was unbelievable, 97 wins, 96 wins. He gets axed. Why? Because they couldn't get out of the first round. And, and is that right? I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I, I guess it, it's still on the players when it comes down to things and the guy's got to perform. You know, the thing that you said, and I talk about all the time here on this show and on the postgame show all the time is, you know, fans still want to live in the dark ages where they think that the manager makes all the decisions and he's the final word, and it's like it doesn't work that way. And everybody's applauded the Warriors for how they've done it with all the strategy. Steve Kerr's not making every decision. It doesn't. It, nope. it, it's a group effort. And for these front offices, 
it's easier to replace a manager than it is to replace a group of players. And, you know, all these managers, we've seen it now, Franny, year after year, all these different managers being thrown out because the super smart guys in the front office, they don't want to come down and admit fault. It's easier just to get rid of the manager. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and it's, you know, sometimes it's the reason why you can't get rid of, you know, the front office guys is they're implementing a lot of things throughout the entire organization, whether it's technology, which everyone says, oh, you could do that. Everyone could do that. Not everyone could do that. And to me, I, I, I see a situation with Gabe Kapler as this is where he started, right? He, got, he paved the path for the organization to get data-driven, to send the message from Matt Clentak and others and, and spread it all around. Now it's the next guys to embrace that and also move forward with it, right? You got to expand. We got to get something better. I always say, like, Farhan Zaidi was, is, I mean, we all know that. He's as brilliant as they come. He needed that one more, like, sort of guy for his elixir. And what was that? Bruce Bochy. Maybe, like, you can never quantify in a number-driven area, like, what a gut instinct is, right? But he was able to have a year's worth with that guy? Come on. That, that's invaluable to, to, to guys like that in this game. And I feel like more than anything, it's it's easier to say it's on the next manager based on, you know, there's a lot more uh, infrastructure going on with those GMs, different GMs and everyone involved. It's so key now for the manager. We talk like like Kevin Cash is a great example as he's got his analytic guy in uniform in the dugout. His nickname is Jay Money, and they all like him because they know we're trying to put you in the best situations to make you successful, which then makes you more money. And that, to me, is the real thing going on now in the game is getting players to buy in. Hey, we're going to make these decisions, whether you're going to play today or you're not, when you're going to hit, when you're not going to hit, when we're taking you out of a game as a pitcher, putting you in. It's all about putting you in the best possible situations so that you will succeed, and when you succeed, you will make more money. That is like the real key for the managers and the coaching staffs now to get across to to the players, and, and I, I'm sure you experienced that during your time as a player. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, they always want to put you in, in better, the best managers, the best head coaches. They want to put you in the best possible spot to succeed. You know, I always laugh because they, almost every manager has hitting matrixes and, and they have the, you know, this guy matches up perfectly against this guy. And it takes an, a little bit in account of pass. And I always laugh. I, I, I was like seven for 13, hit almost every ball hard off of Tim Hudson. And I look at, you know, the numbers when I was in Washington, we're going to face in that damn thing. I'm going to be in the lineup. And I see the, 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 the card on the side and that hitting matrix, I'm last on the list because my, you know, he's a ground ball pitcher. I'm a ground ball hitter. It didn't take into account I, what I ranked the guy. It doesn't take into account the confidence and everything. So there, there is that like hit and miss part, right? So the J money guy, many other organizations have a guy that may be in the dugout in uniform and being able to explain it to me. The guy's got to be able – he can't be socially awkward because there's situations where players are going to get frustrated just in general and drop anything. And, like, some of those guys we know don't have the, the social skills in, involved. They're so super smart, but they're so dialed in to certain things that they can't, like, resolve that issue. Like, by the way, oh, yeah, see, I totally understand where you're coming from. I was like, no, dude, you're like this. You suck. Just let you know you, you're not playing. No, that Jay Money guy, the reason why they like him is because he can relate to players. He doesn't act like a player, but he can relate and not act like a coach, but be someone that is an authoritative figure in a in a very sociable way, if that makes sense. No, totally. You have to. Everything's a, it, it, you're dealing with human beings. I mean, this isn't Amazon. No uh, we're, we're dealing with humans. You have to be able to relate. And I think about. You know, you see this all the time in professional sports. You'll have a guy that acts one way. You fire that guy. You now want to go get the complete opposite of that guy. So if that holds true, you had Gabe Kaplan who came in. He had been with the Dodgers. He knows analytics. He's young. He was a former player. Uh, you know, probably the most in shape guy, maybe more than his own players. But now do you, like, go the complete opposite and now go for a more veteran guy? Uh, see, 
I, I don't know how you are in, in this whole thing. So Brian Snicker to me is like the, the ideal like guy, right? He was in the organization for a long time with the Braves, but it's how he surrounded himself. When you look at like Ron Washington, Eric Young Jr. or senior, sorry, uh, Walt Weiss, you, you have all these former players that are there or guys that have been around surrounding himself with experience. The next guy needs to surround himself with experience. It, it, and I think that is a very, uh, it, they, they, there needs to be more teachers. The more, the more we get into this whole thing, I'm sorry. Like I, I disagree with those that think that you can just learn at the big league level as far as being a coach. Whoever comes in next needs to bring in experience with him. And it doesn't mean you have to play in the big leagues. But it means you've been in the minor leagues a while, you know, to, to experience and know this is the grind, this is how to teach, this is how to, you know, go back and forth. Do I think they go, you know, completely old school or an older name? Absolutely, 100%. You're not going to take away a guy like Dave Kapler for – someone younger and someone that doesn't have any experience. You know, you, you look at Amy McPhail, you look at Matt Klintak, where they've been in the past. And McPhail's obviously been with the Twins, the Cubs, the Orioles, and then, you, you know, now with the Philadelphia Phillies, Matt Klintak with uh, the Angels, and then and then you have the Orioles. So there's that, you know, two, two names right there in Baltimore Orioles. You have Buck Showalter. He's going to be involved in number one. Number one for me, and, and I'm, I'm – you know, made this known out in Philadelphia is Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker needs to be the number one guy on anyone's list. I still think, you know, you could draw a lot of, you know, things about him and Bryce, how, you know, he loved Bryce. Bryce and him got along well. Uh, moving forward, you know, be able to talk to a guy like Reese Hoskins. You know, get in his ear and just help him out because we saw a big struggle from Reese that wasn't good, you know, in, in, in Philadelphia. So, for me, my number one would be Dusty Baker. And I don't know how you are on that, but I, I mean, number one, I think in anyone's mind would be like a guy like Bob Melvin would be awesome. Hey, we'd want to, you know, send him over our way. Stay awesome. away from but, my guy. Hey, <laughs> stay no, away. Saying, like just, just, oh, he's, he's fine. He's, he's put himself in the most perfect spot ever. And, and for me, I, I, I look at Dusty, I look at Buck Showalter and, and I'm not sold completely on Buck. Um, I don't know him enough, but he's been involved in, in some big markets. But I, but I look at Dusty and I have, you know, number, you know, number of things of chasing the ring and number two, there, there, there's a team that pissed him off quite a bit, right. In, in letting him go. And they're in that division. They're chasing him. Why not have that hunger? Why not have that fight? You know, and, and you see that within your manager. Uh, I, I was talking about it on MLB network radio today. The, the thing I would do is I would, I would hire Dusty. I would hire Mickey Calloway. Now you got two teams that they have personal vendettas against. Let's get going here, right? Let's start this thing. Let's get things fired up in that clubhouse and, and let's go. You know, you mentioned a big market. This was your first year really officially doing the, the, the radio broadcast. You had been doing it, but now you got the big time job. What was that like for you? Philly's no joke. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. You know what the best part is? Is Scott Fransky, the play by play guy. Uh, he just tees everything up for you. And I had a blast. I didn't realize that you take home wins or wins and losses. You take home losses more than you do wins, I think, uh, based on the fact that you you want these guys to win. I mean, not your job's not on the line for it, but the whole thing is, is like, I, I you get a relationship with the guys. You know, you're around them all the time. You see how much work and effort they put in. And I never realized that you did. Like, you did feel that way. And so, like, a loss does hurt. Not all losses. Some of you just get blown away. You're like, all right, whatever. But the, the, the heartbreakers, those last, and it's like, oh, man, I missed that. Uh, you know, you, you, I'm not taking home a win or a loss, but at the, at the end of the day, I want to call winning baseball. And I got a great experience. It was phenomenal. The, the fans were, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I would say, like, 95% positive on them. The 5%, you know, just miss uh, Larry Anderson when – he wasn't on there. I was too up for a lot of them. I, I can't be too positive, I guess. Uh, but I got to do about, you know, nine to 12 innings of play-by-play at the end of the year and uh, realized real quick how fast the game is doing it that way. And, I mean, it was the most invaluable experience. It was one that just solidified what I'm doing, um, you know, as far as in my mind. Now, when it comes to the Philadelphia market, well, I'll let the, those people answer it for you. But uh, I had a blast. 
I know I texted you multiple times telling you that, you know, this is this is awesome. Yeah, well, we're proud of you, of course. And uh, let's get into some postseason here. As Glass now, uh, you know, the whole thing about tipping his pitches. But, Franny, here's the thing. Houston, I had him last week. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Houston's been – Houston at home has been doing some funny stuff for the past couple of years now. Yeah. And quite a few teams have called them on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can say whatever you want on that. Last now, I mean, it, like it was the other day in in Houston, and I've said this, okay. So, and you and I've talked about this. I've told you, you know, how much I would watch video and and all that stuff. So, I, I think the narrative behind the tipping is is one thing. Uh, does it mean that they're having all the success? No. Number one is the Houston Astros hitters are really good. That's number one. Number two, you're a two pitch pitcher, and you're going to tell me exactly what's coming. That's putting the percentages in my favor, right? So you can have all the data and everything you want. Now I know what's coming. The other part that, you know, people are like, oh, it's only this. No, you still have to execute. And then one thing that Glassnow did was early on, 98, 99, 100 down the middle. His, the 86-mile-an-hour curveball to Alex Bregman was up and away. It wasn't down in the zone. It was up. So he left pitches up. Now, he claims, and they claim that he – you know, was uh, they, they fixed it. He did. They did. I'm sorry. They did. I watched and I'm calling out pitches because that's what I do. I mean, it's just, it's stupid. My wife hates it. She, she's like, <laughs> I want to watch the game. I'm like, I'm telling you the pitches is coming. And she goes, okay, great. And, and my mom, you know, came by, dropped my daughter off and I'm telling her, oh, okay, here's fastball. She's like, what are you doing? Well, there's, I mean, that's part of the thing. So the other part I have is picking up pitches, right? You know what that does? That locks you in. That locks you in. Whether you got them or not, you're dialed in. As a teammate, you're helping out. You're trying to do – it makes it interactive. You know, you're trying to get – you know, guys that do want to know. You're trying to help out because that's all that matters is trying to win a ball game. Well, that's throughout the season. And, and you know, we saw it with Strasburg. Strasburg's doing it bad. I'm not going to tell you how, but I will say this. Watch the first inning. Watch all their takes on, on, on what? On the curveball. He had it. And what did Cody Bellinger? He had two stolen bases in that game. What did he steal on? Both curveballs. That's coming from Dino Ebel. Where did Dino, Dino come from? Anaheim. Anaheim, we ran all the time. Even I did. And, and, and they would, he would stand right in between the pitcher and third base, and he would lean one way. If you lean that way, you just took off because he had something. And, and, and for me, that was a telltale sign. Uh, the playoffs are – we could always say, you know, the Houston Astros, the Houston Astros are legit. They're ridiculous. And, and so I'm, I'm going to sit there and say – it was more talent than it was, you know, some other, you know, other thing going on at that, at, you know, that stadium. Uh, I want to believe that. That's what I really want to believe. Yeah, because bottom line, some Garrett Cole last night could have been yelling at you fastball, and you still might oh God, not, you're not hit. Touching it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you're not touching it. It, it is Wasn't what it is. Special? It's incredible. It special. It's. I mean, just to see someone dial it up, and and not only that, like just the execution of pitches, right? You could talk about a guy can miss with stuff. He can miss with stuff, but he wasn't missing. I mean, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Is like you look at the, you know, baseball savant or whatever, and you can see the, uh, uh, the, the pitch tracks or whatever, and you see the dots and the spray chart on it, and it's like the middle is free. There's rarely a ball over the middle of the plate. And that's, I mean, you're, you're doing that with the most elite stuff in the game? Come on. I mean, he is, uh, I, I, I can't say enough about that guy because I feel like, you know, is it just the Astros and, and doing something there with the data and all that stuff? Or is it something else? Is it that, you know, that, that inner belief in himself and that friendly competition he's having with the guy ahead of him and Justin Verlander? Verlander is great. We all know that. But he gets to feed off that. And I think that is a huge thing. That's like Strasburg. Why is Strasburg continue to get better and better each year? It's because everyone else is talking about Max Scherzer and – He's, I'm not saying he's going to like, look at me, but there's that inner, you know, that inner competition he's have and he wants to win and he wants to be better. He wants to be talked about in his mind, not about, I'm not talking about like the look at me moments, but I think he just, you know, like internally he's going, Hey, don't forget about me. And I think that's a part of it. So I, I look at a guy like Garrett Cole going like this guy feeds off the moment, but he also feeds off the guy that goes in front of him. And, and, and usually for the most part is set the tone. And Justin Verlander. So you literally live like three minutes from me, and you can't come to the A's Cast Live Studio. Well, no, I mean, 
I, I got texted by your producer. I didn't even get texted by you. Uh, my producer, my producer went to your old producer to get your name. Didn't even ask me. Oh, it's so funny. It's so good. He big league both so of us. I know. Hey, what do you got tomorrow on the all white? Uh, and I'm talking about the Spartans in Nevada. I will be, I will be in Reno with your former uh, coach, Dean Matson tomorrow. Oh, Dean, the dream. That's what I'm talking about. But we'll be in the casino gambling on football all day long, uh, hoping that our San Jose State Spartans can bring it home against the Wolf Pack of Nevada. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Hey, but uh, just on another note, just from you know the outsider's perspective, you guys get it all the time, but just from being on the East Coast in Philadelphia and understanding certain things, the A's were talked about more than anything. And like just around and just everyone and, and the vibe that the A's have created is – it's pretty incredible. You you think that the news outlets and, and all that stuff would talk about it more, but it it was talked about quite a bit. And it's kind of fun when you're from here and, and you're listening to all this stuff and you're like, damn, the, the, the amount of talent that these guys have, that they're uh, continuing to produce and, and hoping that, you know, Billy and, and, and you know, Forrester are able to uh, keep these guys. Well, I'll tell you what, they're stacked for next year. They're even going to be better next year. Oh, Puck, are you kidding? I called. I told you I called his first uh, A ball game in Stockton, and I or they were in San Jose, and I was like, "What is this? Like, this can't be here in A ball. That's not right. Like, that dude's special." And I feel like you know the A's fans got to see a little bit of it this year. Oh, good God! Wait for next year. Lizardo got all the talk at the end, but I'm sorry, those two, and then you mixed in uh, Montez, and then. Or how do you say it? Montas? Montas. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. They got they got everything. It's awesome. Hey, with all it's that Bay Area. With, with all that money you're making now, you can you, you can buy at a Hoppus brewery. Uh I'm I mean, you better get me in the next month because we out. We're going <laughs> to New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, you're moving? Yeah. Yeah. You sold the house? Yeah. And you're, we did. you're going there full time? We are. We are. Uh, the Phillies have, you know, made it known that they would like me to be around more often and, and uh, full time. So that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to have to beat up that credit card before you leave. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to tell you, to watch you grow as a broadcaster from what you did at KMBR to, to where you are now with Philly, and I know a lot of us San Jose State Spartans are proud of you. Keep doing it, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Go Spartans. I appreciate it, buddy. Well, we hope you enjoyed another edition of A's Unfiltered. Wow, how good was Trevor Bauer, Ron Washington, Bo Porter, and Franny Kevin Franzen. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.